Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, everyone. Before we jump into the show today, just a quick heads up. What Next is about to have our first live show. I'm super pumped. I would love to see you there. It's in New York City on June 8th. That's a Saturday. I'm going to be talking to comedian Wyatt Cenac. I'm also going to be talking to New York public advocate Jamani Williams. We're doing this in the morning because, you know, that's when our show comes out. We're going to have coffee. We're going to hang out and we're going to record a couple of shows. It's going to be fun. Tickets are at slate.com slash slate day 2019. That is slate.com slash slate day 2019. All right, here's the show. On Monday morning, Donald Trump woke up on fire. <laughs> en fuego. En fuego. <laughs> he just woke up and started tweeting. He had a lot. It was a flurry. It was yeah. totally a flurry. Yeah. He's mostly about tariffs. Wait, did you ever play NBA Jam like back in the day? Like, you know, like <laughs> when you're, you had the ball and you were just like on fire and you'd like dunk it and like the, just flames burst everywhere. Like you were unstoppable. That was Donald Trump on Twitter talking about tariffs. <laughs> This threat about tariffs, it was kind of defensive. That's because at the end of last week, the president announced he planned to tax almost all Chinese goods at a rate of 25 percent. That is high. Even one of Trump's economic advisors admitted the cost of this policy would be passed right along to American consumers. It's not China that pays tariffs. It's the American importers, the American companies that pay what in effect is a tax increase and oftentimes passes it on to U.S. consumers. Uh, fair enough. In fact, both sides will pay. Both sides will pay. Well, so here's where I'm confused, though. Yeah. Donald Trump tweets, there's no reason for U.S. consumers to pay tariffs. Yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's wrong. Donald Trump is wrong on the Internet. The very end of this tweet storm this week from Donald Trump, it, it ends with China should not retaliate, will only get worse. I mean, that might be true. Yeah. Uh, but so then immediately after. China retaliated. Yeah. Yeah. China retaliated by announcing that it too would be hiking tariffs on $60 billion worth of American goods. Then the stock market took a dive. You're just stacking tariffs on top of each other. It's getting, the problem is getting bigger and worse. So, trade war? Yeah, I mean, we're in a trade war. This is, we've had rounds, of, yeah, this is, this is a trade war. This is, I think we've, there's like an academic definition where it's like you have to have a certain number of rounds of retaliation and we're there. But when you hear the words trade war, Jordan wants you to hear them a little differently. He says, holding China accountable, it isn't the worst idea. We're just doing it all wrong. And he says, even if we win this trade war, that could create its own problems. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. 
When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So here's what happened over the last week. Chinese and American representatives sat down in Washington to try to negotiate a way out of this escalating trade war. And then on Friday, President Trump announced he was hiking tariffs on Chinese goods. It was a power move. But Jordan Weissman, he thinks right now, this is actually the right time to go after China. This is where I get kind of torn up about all this. Is that, <laughs> like, there actually is a good argument for finally going after China on trade, right? Like, China has been a bad actor on global trade for a very long time. They've done a lot of, they have, they have a lot of practices that are very problematic. What are the things they're doing? There are some classic examples that you hear brought up over and over again, and some of them sound really obscure and boring, but are kind of important. One of them is very basic. It's subsidies. A lot of their companies are heavily subsidized, either because they're state-owned or because they get really cheap funding from state-controlled state banks. It's this whole web of financing. Um, another thing you hear constantly is uh, forced technology transfer, right? It's like a company wants access to the Chinese market, and so the government... I, not usually explicitly, but it's made clear that if they want access to the market, they're going to have to partner with a local Chinese company and let that company have access to all of their IP. And then what typically happens is after that partnership isn't going for a while, the Chinese company goes off and just starts producing the stuff on its own. One of the best examples of this actually involves bullet trains. The, one of the leading like high-speed train manufacturers in Japan uh, went over to China and wanted access to that market because China is, you know, building out its rail system, except they had to go in and team with a local company. And eventually that company just learned how to do it and started competing, <laughs> like, you know, and so it's like. So it's like, here's your buddy yeah. to work with you in China. But by the way, your buddy is going to be like copying all your notes. And then like a couple years later, I'll be like, bye, see, you. I'm going to open my own company. You're training your replacement. Yeah. Yeah. You're training your understudy who's going to replace you. Right. And so there's just there, there's a long list. Um, and there are a lot of reasons also geopolitically why you should be kind of worried about a country like China trying to essentially gobble up all these high tech global industries and kind of play unfair about them. They have they are a authoritarian geopolitical competitor. Right. With a really I mean, th with a really dicey human rights record. And that's a little bit scary. In some ways, I think that's the best argument the authoritarian one, but it doesn't seem to be the one that interests Donald Trump. No. Don, I mean, Donald Trump is just, this is like pure alpha male competition. I think like it, it, this is his id. For years, Trump has talked about how Americans are getting ripped off on the global stage. Back in the 80s, he thought Japan was pulling one over on us. We, we let Japan come in and dump everything right into our markets and everything. It's not free trade. More recently, it's China. It's very simple. China has been taking advantage of the United States for many, many years. I'm not just talking about during the Obama administration. Uh, you can go back long before that. And it's been taking out 400, 500, 600 billion dollars a year out of the United States. And we can't let that happen. And for all this, Jordan doesn't think Trump is completely wrong. This is my personal hobby horse, but what kind of 
frustrates me about Trump's approach is he's kind of gone about it in just like the dumbest possible way. Like the other day I, I was saying, like, I'm not opposed to all trade wars. I'm just opposed to dumb trade wars. <laughs> like, you know? And this one has been like sort of a very dumb trade war because there were sort of two schools of thought about the way Trump could have taken on China at the beginning of his administration. There was one school of thought, which came from the globalists, quote, in the administration, like guys like Gary Cohn, who said, we should organize the whole world and sort of into a united front and all go up against China and say, you have to change your practices on steel, on intellectual property, and, you know, all these different things that we have problems with. But that's kind of what we had been trying to do, right? With the Trans-Pacific Partnership and with other deals, we've been trying. Yeah, that was kind of the idea. So TPP, yes, this would have been you know the equivalent of Europe and the United States and Japan saying, we are going to use tariffs or whatever to penalize you and cut you off unless you shape up in X, X, and X way. And so it would have been a much more aggressive uh, uh, approach. The other approach to this came from sort of the nationalist camp in the Trump administration. The guys like Steve Bannon, uh, Peter Navarro, who is still there. He's like Trump's trade guru. And they said, screw it. We want to go one on one against China because we also have issues with Europe and all these other countries. and We want to get better trade deals from them. So we're just going to America first. Yeah, America first. We're just going to throw out. We're going to use our heft. We're going to use all the power we have and just go toe to toe with China. And that is what we've been doing. And it has not really yielded great results. And there's like and we've spent like the last couple of years just pissing off the whole world in these all these different trade battles. We've been pissing off Europe and we've been pissing off, you know, Mexico and Canada with oh, the NAFTA renegotiations. And then we are also trying to deal with China, which is a huge project unto itself. And we're trying to go it alone, whereas we could have been going at it with the whole world. So it seems like what you're saying is our old approach to China used to be keep your friends close and your enemies closer mm -hmm. and, you know, come over here and we'll hopefully manage you by having a closer relationship. And what you're saying is that there was a broad understanding that maybe we needed to get tougher mm -hmm. in some way. And the question is how? And what you're saying is that there was a globalist sort of sentiment that we can all do it together and the Trump administration has just been like, nah, we're good. No, nah, we're good. We'll do it alone. And again, because countries like Japan have been on the short end of the stick sometimes, there were reasons to think that, hey, maybe if everyone teamed up, you could, you know, make a it would make a difference that you could actually create this global coalition. Larry Kudlow is, you know, Trump's top, top economic advisor now likes to say that that's the long term goal, that once they've got all their other trade deals squared away with Europe and Japan and everyone, then they're going to create a quote coalition of the willing against China. Like that was just whoever's left. Yeah, exactly. To well, be willing. Yeah, exactly. Right. You've already angered the whole freaking world. <laughs> so you're going to. And it's kind of like the unfortunate Iraq war, like echo there, coalition of the willing. But um, <laughs> anyway, it's it's a mess. Why can't we make these deals on our own? Why is it that United that the United States is not large enough to walk into a room with representatives from China and negotiate something that is to our advantage? I mean, to be clear, this all could work in the end. Like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, it's possible that actually, eventually, China's going to crack. I don't, I don't want to be too much of a prognosticator here. There's, if you, if you, you know, read some of the journalism that's coming out of China, if you, with the comments of China experts, they all say that uh, President Xi Jinping is actually under a lot of pressure. That exporters there are getting antsy kind of angry. The economy is having a tough time hitting its growth targets. You know, they want this done, too. And so there's there's pressure on both sides to reach a deal. So maybe we'll get something. Um, but 
there are a bunch of reasons why we haven't been able to. One is because it wasn't clear even what our goals were in a lot of ways. You know, for, there was a point where U.S. negotiators were showing up in the room with China, with, chi with the Chinese side. And just like having arguments at the table in front of America. Like, like with each other. Yeah. Like Americans like, fighting with Americans yeah, in front of the like Chinese. Navarro Mnuchin, like, you know, the globalists and the nationalists would sit there like sniping at each other while the Chinese would sit there just confused and not n having no idea who even had authority. And that's that's cleared up a little bit because a lot of kind of the point man for everything now seems to be Robert Lighthizer, the U.S. trade rep, who is actually one of the few real trade professionals in the administration, even if he is a bit of a protectionist. But still, Donald Trump himself just sort of seems to like tariffs, right? Like he's just a tariff. He calls himself a tariff man. He loves tariffs. He shouted at people to bring him tariffs. Like in his, in his Bring like, him tariffs? Yeah, this is a thing. This is a thing. He was literally sitting in his office, it, his office, in the Oval Office. <laughs> um, I just have... God, I have it's trouble. Our it's our office. It's the people's office. No, it's his office now. Um, and so he he was sitting in the Oval Office with a bunch of his advisors a couple of years ago, and he just said, "Why don't I have any tariffs yet? Bring me tariffs. I want tariffs." <laughs> Which is just like maybe he does think that just like okay, we'll put tariffs on China, and China will go out of business. Like that's sort of like you can just kind of like kill a off. fire sale. Yeah, like everyone, all the companies will leave China, and we'll just buy stuff from elsewhere. Maybe that's what he in his heart of hearts believes. Um, and I will say, you know, a lot of when you talk to economists, they'll admit that the one as a rule, economists don't like tariffs, right? Because they think that makes everything less efficient, et cetera. What they will say is that tariffs are potentially useful for forcing everyone to the table to negotiate. They'll say, OK, well, you're going to like threaten a trade war. No one really wants a trade war. But if you do that, it at least can get everyone talking about the issues and it, it can it, it can be a forcing mechanism. And that is that is how some people in the administration like Kudlow like Lighthizer do seem to think of them, whether they will be treated that way or they'll just become an end unto themselves. You know, that's that's up in the air. Hmm. It sounds like you kind of agree with them. The tariffs can be a good thing, but maybe not the way they're being pursued right now. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, there are the threat of tariffs, the threat of taking action is sometimes necessary to spark negotiations. Um, but you also have to have like clear goals in mind and have a team that is all kind of ready to negotiate for them and not be screaming at each other at the table with the Chinese delegation. <laughs> so you talked about how Donald Trump kind of just likes tariffs. It seems to me like he likes them for political reasons. You know, it like gives him an enemy. But politically speaking, I just don't know how this is going to work. I saw this map and it, it showed where people will be hit hardest by these tariffs. And it's people Donald Trump needs to vote for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky, right? A lot of the people who are hurt by China's tariffs, tariffs on our exports, are in farm country. Uh, the question is whether they care more about all the cultural stuff, you know, all the sort of anti-immigrant stuff, whether they care about just feeling good about themselves and taking back America and MAGA, or if they care more about their business and and uh, the, the agricultural economy. Um, it's unclear that, you know, that there's really been a shift among those voters yet. And I will say, you know, in the industrial Midwest, some people do like tariffs. A lot of voters, you know, in Ohio and, you know, Sherrod Brown is kind of, you know, Democratic senator from Ohio. He, he's kind of pro-tariff. You know, a lot of them like the steel tariffs because they see a few more steel plants opening up and hiring a few more workers, even if it's been each of those jobs has cost the U.S. a lot of money. And so, it's not going to hurt everyone. And the people who it is hurting, like, or potentially going to hurt, like farmers, really like Trump for other reasons. Huh. Yeah, I saw this quote from, I think, a, a metal manufacturer saying, you know, the consumer is going to pay for these tariffs in the end. They just don't always recognize it. 
Like yeah. they don't see it. They just see the price going up. They don't know why. Yeah. They might not. It might not be high enough for them to really notice. Yeah. I mean, that's there's no tariff line on your receipt. Right. right? There's no it's not like sales tax where you're like, yeah, I know. Okay, I'm paying like eight point two five percent. And it's just, OK, yeah, the cost of nails went up a bit. The cost of sheet metal went up a little bit. Looking at the approach here, though, yeah. this approach of just kind of walking away from the table, putting some tariffs in place. Well, they haven't walked away. They're still talking. Well, OK. Yeah, yeah it's still going. OK. Well, so like looking at this approach of sort of hard line, you know, putting a tariff out there when you don't get what you want. It reminds me of the government shutdown of this sort of like hard line stance. And it didn't work out that time. I just wonder if that gives any lessons about what's going to happen next year. Yeah, I mean... What's going to happen next is a lot of that is going to depend on uh, Xi Jinping decides is in his political interest domestically in China. And that's just that's a lot of guesswork. That's that is that's complicated. That that takes an, I think that takes another policy expert <laughs> besides mm-hmm. me to answer. But I think one thing is if it does work, Trump does get some sort of a quote, good deal out of this, uh, some major concessions. You know, it's going to embolden him to be even more of an asshole on the world stage. I think that's like. That's one thing to keep in mind here. Jordan Weissman with the hard truths. <laughs> Every time. Thank you. No worries. Jordan Weissman, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Jordan Weissman writes about economics and public policy here at Slate. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson and Jason DeLeon. Today, we had a hand from Ethan Brooks. Hey, Ethan, welcome to the team. All right, talk to you tomorrow.